Hello, and welcome to Podcast Central. I'm your host, Kaylee Peterson, and I'm here to share with you some information on the Senate Committee of Homeland Security and Government Affairs. I have some important people here with me today to tell you all about anything and everything that has to do with this interesting committee. So let's get into it. This committee has 14 people on it in total, consisting of both political parties. These members include Ron Johnson, Rob Portman, Rand Paul, James Lankford, Mitt Romney, Rick Scott, Michael B. Enzi, and Josh Hawley, who are all Republican and the majority members of this committee. The minority, or Democratic, members are Gary Peters, Thomas R. Carper, Margaret Wood Hassan, Camilla D. Harris, Kirsten Cinema, and Jackie Rosen. One of the people we have visiting us today is the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Johnson. Hey Kaylee. Hey everyone. Thanks for having me on your show today. I'm so excited to be here with you all. We are so happy to have you, Ron. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm the Republican Senator from Wisconsin. I've been serving in Congress for the past nine years now, since 2010. And I first ran for Congress because I think it's important for citizens to be allies with those who are making the legislation. I'm currently the chairman of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. I've been a member of this committee my entire political career, and I can't wait to tell you more about it later. Well, that is fantastic, Ron. We cannot wait to hear about it. Our next guest is another member of the Republican Party on this committee named James Lankford. Hey, Kaylee. Thanks for having me. Of course, Mr. Lankford. We're glad to. How about you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, of course. So I'm James Lankford. I'm the junior Republican senator for Oklahoma. I have been since 2015. From 2011 to 2015, I served as Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District Representative. That's fantastic. Thank you, Mr. Lankford. Our next guest is Democratic member of the committee, Gary Peters. Hey, everyone. Kaylee, I'm so excited to be here today. Splendid. We are happy to have you. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, Gary? Of course, Kaylee. Well, I'm the senator from Michigan, and I'm part of the Democratic Party. I've been on this committee for about four years now, and I was just promoted to a ranking member of the committee. And our fourth guest, also a Democrat, Tom Carper. Hello, Kaylee. Thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, of course. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? Well, I am currently the senator of Delaware, and I've been serving since 2001. I'm also a senior member of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. Well, that's awesome. I'm so happy that each and every one of you could come to talk about your amazing committee. Of course! Looks like it's time for a commercial break, but when we come back, you will hear all about the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Yay! Joe Biden, intelligent, honest, selfless, hardworking, 
And most importantly, a meme god. Your favorite VP is running for your president in the 2020 election. Oh, hey, Joe Biden here. Some of you younger folks might know me from the Twitter or the so-called Instabook. You guys should vote for me in the 2020 election because I share your values. I will better this country by creating unlimited data for all and making sure the Wi-Fi in this country is always at its peak. Use your voice and vote for Biden 2020. I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message. Hello and welcome back. If you're just now joining us, we have four members here of the 14 of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Well, Ron, since you're the chairman, how about you tell us a little bit about your committee? Of course. Its primary responsibilities are to study the efficiency, economy, and effectiveness of all agencies and departments of the federal government, evaluate the effects of laws enacted to reorganize the legislative and executive branches of government, and to study the intergovernmental relationships between the U.S. and states and between the U.S. and international organizations of which the U.S. is a member. Interesting. Tell me more. Well, Kaylee, our committee deals with way more than just Homeland Security. We have a ton of other issues that we have to take care of. That includes cybersecurity, the Postal Service, border security, immigration and ports, the District of Columbia, oversight and investigations, emergency management and disaster recovery, census, nominations, lobbying, and ethics. So you can see our committee does a lot for the government, and we're pretty important. Wow. Can you elaborate more on one of those issues? Of course. The Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee has jurisdiction over the United States Postal Service. This American institution facilitates billions of dollars worth of economic activity each year, but unfortunately the Postal Service has been struggling financially over the past few years. The committee monitors the Postal Service's financial situation, and we are interested in further reforming the Postal Service's business model to ensure that it has the tools and resources it needs to continue serving all Americans and to remain fiscally solvent for the foreseeable future. It sounds like you guys are fighting for a good cause. We really are. It's something that's important to all of us. Ron and Gary, since you were at the top of the Republican and Democrat parties, may I ask you why you joined? Of course. After I first took office in 2011, I voted in ways that reflected my conservative views. I introduced legislation to enforce programs of the Department of Homeland Security and to require a comprehensive accounting of U.S. contributions to the United Nations. This contributed to why I joined the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. Well, Kaylee, I joined this committee back in 2015 when I was just a freshman senator. And the reason this committee intrigued me is because of its broad oversight power. I see it as an opportunity to stress the U.S. security at the northern border, which I strongly believe in. I also plan to continue pushing the federal government to address the water contamination in Michigan. I will be working aggressively to put together a response to deal with that crisis. So far, our committee has accomplished so much. We have passed several critical pieces of bipartisan homeland legislation to prevent terrorist attacks, to secure our borders, and to protect against cyber attacks. Wow, interesting. What's been happening recently in your committee? Well, recently, there has not been a lot happening for minority news, but overall in the committee, there is some new appointments to our three subcommittees. Wow, can you please elaborate on these intriguing subcommittees? Well, Kaylee, there are three subcommittees, and Ron and I recently appointed new chairmen and ranking members to them. 
One of our committees is the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigators. I have just been so happily promoted to the ranking member of this subcommittee. Well, how about you tell us a little bit about that committee? Well, the main responsibility of this committee is to study the efficiency of operations in all branches of government. Is there anything else you have to do for this committee? Well, we also have to investigate the compliance of rules and laws. This means that we have to investigate the aspects of crimes within the United States and see if it affects or impacts the national health, welfare, and safety. Very interesting. What other subcommittees are there? The next subcommittee is the Federal Spending Oversight and Emergency Management Subcommittee, or the FSO. The FSO is in charge of the of overseeing the spending and budget of the United States government and making sure that they are in control of what they're doing. Unfortunately, no one from this subcommittee could be here today. But the new appointed chairman is Rand Paul and the ranking member is Maggie Hassan. I know that they will be great leaders of this subcommittee. Oh darn, I wish they could have been here today. Well, is anyone here today a member of the third subcommittee? I am James Langford here. I just got appointed chairman, and I'm stoked. I'm chairman of the subcommittee in regulatory affairs and federal management. The subcommittee oversees the management and effectiveness of all federal government agencies, departments, and programs. The subcommittee is responsible for exploring policies that promote a skilled, efficient, and effective federal workforce, which will in turn work to ensure efficient and effective management of federal programs. Well, you know what that sound means. On to our next topic. The next topic that I wanted to ask you guys about is Majority News. Myself and Senators Diane Feinstein and Tim Scott introduced legislation Thursday to reauthorize the Scholarships for Opportunity and Results Act, or the SOAR Act, and ensure that students and their families in the District of Columbia have continued choice and increased opportunity for their education through the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Yesterday marked the 15-year anniversary of the signing of the SOAR Act. I think that the Opportunity Scholarship Program has helped students from low-income households attain a graduation rate 21% points higher than comparable students. The fact that twice as many children apply for the program as can be accommodated shows how strong demand is from parents seeking such positive results for their children. I think that's a great idea. This is about providing hope for a better future to students by allowing them to choose schools that meet their needs. I sincerely hope my colleagues will join our bipartisan group in supporting a program that gives children the opportunity to create a better life for themselves. Education is the key to a better life with more opportunity, but unfortunately many students are unable to receive a high-quality education. Our legislation to extend the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program provides continued federal support for the district's public and charter schools while also affording low-income students the opportunity to attend accredited private schools. In its first 15 years, the scholarship program has helped more than 8,400 students attend the school of their choice. Can you elaborate on that for me, please? Of course. Our bill would extend the program while maintaining the improvements we made in 2015. Anytime we have the opportunity to offer a struggling child and family a hand up onto the ladder of educational achievement, everyone wins. For more than a decade, the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program has been a lifeline for children in our nation's capital. I've always said that no child zip code should dictate their access to quality education. On this, the 15th year anniversary of the program, I am proud to join a bipartisan group of senators in extending the continued success of the DCOSP. 
I know that Representative Mark Walker is also very supportive of this. He said, I am excited to launch this effort with a champion for school choice, Senator Ron Johnson. The D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program provides low-income students the chance to succeed and break the cycle of poverty by helping them to escape failing or underperforming schools. We need to reauthorize this program and the great results it has produced, raising graduation rates and improving all education centers, traditional public schools, charter schools, and private schools. Wow, that sounds very important and like it would impact a lot of people's lives. Just to recap, the Reauthorized Scholarships for Opportunity and Results Act, funding for District of Columbia public schools, public charter schools, and opportunity scholarship program schools until the end of fiscal year 2024, improves the U.S. Department of Education evaluation of the OSP. The current annual evaluation does not assess OSP students' growth over time. For example, if a fourth grader begins the year at a second grade reading level but improves to a 3.5 grade reading level, the current evaluation doesn't capture the improvement. It simply measures if they are performing at their grade level. The new evaluation will assess an OSP student's program during each school year. You know what, Ron? Even though I'm a member of the opposite party, I think the SOAR Act is something I can really get behind. I think I can get behind it too, Gary. Looks like it's time for another ad. We will be right back after the short break. You know, it's a hard world out there, but it wouldn't be as hard if everyone loved themselves as much as Kanye loves Kanye. I decide to do it. It will be done. I'm not going to try. So grab a pair of Yeezys and head out to the polls. My wife is super famous, by the way, too. So yeah, vote Kanye West 2020, and you won't be disappointed. I'm Kanye West, and I approve this message. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back. All right, our next topic is the government shutdown. I thought that this would be an interesting topic because you are all members and all senators, and I was curious on how it affected your committee and all of you. Well, Kaylee, I'm very excited that you brought up this topic. Me too! Why don't you tell us all about it, Senator Peters? I'll gladly start the discussion. Last week on Wednesday, I believe it was the 23rd of January, my fellow Senator, Maria Cantwell, an amazing woman, by the way, and I sent a letter to the Transportation Security Administration, or as most of you know it, the TSA. Intriguing. What was the letter about? It basically summarized our concerns over the possible security and travel issues because of the government shutdown. Why is that? Why do you have concerns? Well, Kaylee, I'm concerned because TSA has over 60,000 employees and nearly all of them are not getting paid. That's crazy. Yeah, what's happening in TSA is similar to our very own committee as 231,000 employers continue to work without getting paid. It's crazy that all of these workers are not getting paid but are still expected to show up. This is similar to TSA because 55,000 of their employees are still going into work without getting paid, which I think is very noble, but we don't know if they're doing their jobs effectively or 100% correctly, and this could put a ton of people at risk. True, very true. Also, Kaylee, the number of TSA officers calling in sick has been increasing rapidly. This can lead to longer wait times and travelers questioning the sufficiency of the staffers. That wouldn't be good. No, not at all. So what was the overall goal of your letter? 
Well, Kaylee, Cantwell and I are seeking specific information from TSA on the shutdown's impacts. Impacts on what specifically? The impacts on commercial air travel and the travelers specifically. Any possible security and safety risks for TSA employees and the public that could arise because of the lapse of federal funding due to the shutdown. This is very concerning. I don't think people realize is that not only are the unpaid workers being affected, the citizens that go through security are also at risk as they're not getting their full protection. Oh yeah, I totally agree. It's affecting how we're managing. Yeah, definitely. This shutdown has had a major impact on our committee because we are in charge of making sure many different parts of the government are running effectively and smoothly. With the whole government shutdown, it is hard for us to manage all the departments and hard to ensure that things will still continue to function. Along with that, most of our hardworking members have been continuing to work throughout the government shutdown, but they haven't gotten a paycheck since Friday, January 11th. That does not sound good, you guys. You're totally right, Kaylee. Everything has just been crazy. What do you think, Tom? Things are definitely not functioning as they should be. The E-Verify system was shut down, and this system checks whether people are eligible to work in the United States. And quite a few states require companies with over 10 employees to use this E-Verify system. So you can see how this is quite a problem. I agree, Tom. This is a serious issue because we could be hiring people who aren't qualified for these jobs and taking other people's opportunities. Another thing that's been worrying me about this shutdown is if the government can't keep and recruit top workers. I'm afraid that the United States won't be able to defend itself against sophisticated hackers from our adversaries such as China or Russia, and that we might not be able to help critical industry sectors such as energy plants and airports secure these networks. Yeah, I totally agree with that. As the nation faces a massive shortage of trained security pros, retaining these highly skilled workers was already tough because cyber workers can earn two or three times their government salary in the private sector. It's going to be far harder after the 35-day government shutdown that temporarily let go of about half the Homeland Security Department's main cyber agency and required the other half to work without pay. Yes, Ron. I can see how this can be a major problem because cybersecurity is one of our top priorities in our committee this year. I also wanted to bring up the role that our committee has on immigration and how it's been affected by the government shutdown. Tom and I were just talking about this the other day. Tom, do you want to explain it some more? Sure. Sadly, because of the government shutdown, we've had to turn down a lot of immigrants. But the truth is, there isn't really much we can do about it. Because of the government shutdown, we aren't allowed to appoint new hearings, which is why all of the cases are backed up and it is a slow process right now. Even some of our agencies did not receive the paperwork, and our department got blamed for this. We were blamed for having quote-unquote fake times and fake dates, but because of this government shutdown, we obviously have to push back the court hearings. We are aware that this affects many migrants, but things are going to be backed up because of the government. Another major problem that we have with this shutdown is we don't have enough power as we should at, when we're conducting oversight over the homeland security operations in the government. I agree. How is the shutdown affecting you all personally? Not me personally, but I know it's hard for others to support their families without the income. I agree with you, James. Me too. You know that does make a lot of sense, you guys. Well, that about wraps up our show today. Today on the podcast, we talked to the members of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee on the Senate. 
These members included Chairman Ron Johnson, Gary Peters, James Langford, and, and Tom Carper. We talked about what their committee is, majority and minority news, and how the government shutdown affected this committee. I want to thank each and every one of these members for joining us today and helping us learn a little bit more about their important committee. Thank you for having us, Kaylee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, of course. That wraps up our show. See you all next week when I interview... Kesha!